Hello and welcome to the RevX podcast episode number nine. Correct, episode number nine. I had to look it up because I forgot. Um, uh, our episode tonight is the first in our two-part series. Well, actually our more than two-part series, our ongoing series on toxic masculinity. We've recorded two episodes of this. The next one will release on Thursday. Tonight's win- uh, Tonight's toxic masculinity episode is a panel of only women. Um, and then the one on Thursday will be a panel of only men. Then our future ones will have some other episodes, one where we'll bring those two groups together to discuss what they heard on these two episodes and other things that may have come up in the news since then, since it's a, uh, a very hot topic at the moment. There's lots of stuff being coming up. Um, and then we will also have, at some point, guests to be determined but we're going to talk to uh have some guests on the show that are professionals in the field of discussing these things psychologists or sociologists various things we'll see um uh we're going to look into recruiting that so we'll see who the guests will be for that one so that will be down the road maybe that'll that one will probably have to wait till uh 2018 to air that one but it, it, it we will be looking into that so um uh one announcement for me before we get into um, the morning announcements the is the All-American, a fake crime podcast, episode one of our, our fake true crime, our fictional true crime podcast will debut next Tuesday. And then, um, well, starting now, we are casting for the other roles for the upcoming episodes. There's a post on our Facebook thing. Or you can ask me or Samara about it if you see us in person, and we'll direct you to the details. But we need about 30 voices. Most of them relatively short can be done in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. There's a couple longer roles. There's someone that wants to look, you know, uh, uh, one big female role open. The male roles are all relatively small um, that are left. So, But there's one major role for a female voice, and there are a bunch of voices that are male and female for smaller parts and we'll reach out to people. But if you're interested in doing some voice work on all American, a fake crime podcast, um, particularly after you hear next week's first episode, uh, let us know and we will uh, get you in on that. Um, All right. Up next is Samara with your morning announcements for revolutionary exchange records. Hi, hello. It's Samara with your morning announcements. We have some upcoming events. For this month, we have this coming Sunday, we have our job search podcast recording panel discussion series thing um, where we talk about how to let your network know you're looking for a job and how to spiffy up your online profiles. After that, we have the spoken word brunch on November 26th, and that will be the, the last one ever. It will be brunch. It will be bottomless brunch. It will be good, I guess. And then after that, on December 3rd, we have our year-end blowout songwriter showcase and concert fun event show. All right. Thank you, Samara, for those morning announcements from the cafeteria. Um, Now we will jump into the podcast with your guests, Aubrey O'Connor, Layla Rossi, and BJ McDuffie. Oh, yeah. I guess that's a good place to start. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Layla Rossi. I'm Aubrey O'Connor. I'm BJ McDuffie. Um, Tonight we're going to be discussing toxic masculinity. Also, I guess I just... (laughs) That seems like a thing I would do, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was talking with BJ earlier 
that I'd like to start this first and foremost with a definition of toxic masculinity, which it turns out is really hard to find. Because yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia's definition, I feel, is pretty weak. It's um, the concept of toxic masculinity is used in the social sciences to describe traditional norms of behavior among men in contemporary American and European society that are associated with detrimental social and psychological effects. And... <sighs> so the reason that's dissatisfying to me is that I think... When I hear toxic masculinity, what I really think it is is like the process by which those masculine gender norms, yeah, gets taken to an illogical extreme. The world, yeah, right. It's like extremism of the masculinity, yeah, and their family, and their coworkers, and their everybody's, and everything. So the reason I wanted to have this definition, um, and there were actually a whole bunch of terms I wanted. I wanted to define toxic masculinity versus. Regular masculinity, which HuffPost promised me they would have, but god damn if I'm not going to read that entire article to find it buried in there. Um, <laughs> as well as uh, the toxic femininity, which is something I stumbled across today. Um, and feminism, which of course we all know goes Ooh. really misinterpreted. Um, because I was watching a bunch of videos to prepare for this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went on YouTube and I was like, all oh, right. I'm busy today. <laughs> I'm in, so, so, so in contrast, up. the way I prepared for this was saying to Kenny, I don't know that I'm in a place where I can really talk about that, but it is something I want to talk about. And he was like, yeah, your voice needs to be on it too. <laughs> like, Fine, fair enough. Exactly. <laughs> so I did, I did homework. Okay. Um, and I was stunned at how when you're watching videos by people on the left, we all seem to know and understand what we mean when we say toxic masculinity seem to we all seem to and that that seem became really apparent what listening to the videos from the right and i don't actually know if this is actually coming from left or right it's Mm -hmm. just my definitions of it but on the right they seem to say that toxic masculinity is interchangeable with masculinity is toxic Mm -hmm. so Hmm. for a lot of opponents of the phrase toxic masculinity. And I'm like, that's where the fight starts. Right. Just like people are already shut off. As soon as you say the word, they seem to think that we're saying there's no room for any masculinity. Mm-hmm. And that men are bad. And-, and that men are bad. And we want them all to so would it turn make- into women. And would it make sense cooks. to sort of like frame this outside of the debate around it? And then I mean, instead sort of just talk about what, that means for you in your life or what it means when you say it right now. I mean, and then I think, I think it is valuable to think about how it's constructed in that sort of conversation where, but it almost, I, and this is something I think that we do all the time right now is like, we are so willing to define the conversation in terms of what it's not because we're already thinking about how to defend ourselves. And it's, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, Kenny was so intentional about saying this is a woman's only conversation. And it's like, we have a space to like, make the definition definitely and Mm. i mean for me i can't separate what i think of when i think of toxic masculinity from what other people think of because i'm constantly just so astounded and put off by people who are like oh you're just an angry feminist you're probably a lesbian like like that is wrapped up in my head in Mm -hmm. this conversation Yeah, yeah exactly and so i'm i'm probably just as willing to push back or push away like to dig my heels into the definition of the word as 
Yeah. Other people are willing to pull back from it. Yeah. So like to me that's the toxicity. Mm-hmm. That that's it though. It's like you are you're literally saying like I can't have this conversation without first thinking about how I'm having it in opposition to someone else. And that's I mean what woman can't say that about almost anything. Yeah. And oh, and for me too when I think about the de- defining it or the re- the the impact that toxic masculinity has on our society and the world. Um, I, I look at it through the lens of my brothers. You know, I have three brothers. Um, you know, I've seen my stepdad and my dad, you know, kind of deal with making their way through the world. And um, and it's it's hard, you know. I, I as, a, as a young woman who was fairly confident in myself, um, I was able to sometimes push buttons, you know, with my brother and, like, kind of my, yeah, my younger brother and antagonize him in a way that I know directly played into some mm-hmm. of this, um, some of these notions. <clears throat> um, and also, it would make me angry when I would say, like, you know, when he was younger, he used to play dress-up with us, and he was in theater, and did, you know, would totally sit down and have makeup and, you know, play with us because he wanted to be with the girls, because um, he probably had, he undoubtedly had crushes on all of my friends. Um, mm-hmm. And then when he got older, if we brought it up, he would be embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Come on. And that's actually such a heartbreak. But but that is, and so we have yet to actually nail down a definition of toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity, but it's what I associate it with most specifically is hyper-aggressiveness amongst men. Not aggression. I can say for a fact that I am a woman and I experience a lot of aggression. So like outside of a, a, an acceptable social norm, Mm -hmm. um, usually to the point where it's causing violence for you or someone or something else. Um, as well as extreme risk taking. I'm not saying necessarily like, Oh, I like to pop wheelies on my bike or I go bungee jumping, but like, uh, yeah. Or like, like getting that souped up vehicle and and doing it a hundred down a city street, which is putting you and a million pedestrians at danger or the take the chugging, you know, Oh God. Yes. Like keg stands and, and all that business. And then uh, hypersexuality, yeah. Um, and 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 then we can fold in like violence with sexuality, mm-hmm. um, and then also an aversion to anybody who doesn't portray those things. So you like as a man can't ever not be normal to high aggression, normal to high risk taking, normal to high gender normative heterosexual. Uh, uh, sexual attraction like yeah. you gotta be a woman's man a lady's man you mm. can't you can't be just blase about sex or god forbid in this mindset not mine um, god forbid attracted to the same sex or trans sex or pan sex or so that's asex. interesting because I, I don't think that toxic masculinity is inherently uh, like an experience of heterosexual men, right? Like no, I, no, 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 it's not. Definitely not. Everybody, I think everybody has come in contact with it, women and men, and everybody in, in between those two ends of the spectrum and outside it as well. But uh, I think that it's most, like toxic masculinity is like a rigid structure, right? Mm-hmm. And And men have to perform within it. And, Women, interestingly, have to perform along with it. Absolutely. Right? Like, that's... I feel like we don't talk about that 
part to it. And so whenever I'm seeing all these women who are like, you're pussifying our men, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so the preparation I did do was like thinking on my drive here for women. (laughs) I, I, I thought of, um, so I work in tech and I kind of started out in 2001. So it's like, I'm going on my almost 20 years in this sort of very sort of macho kind of field. Right. Mm hmm. And I've been really fortunate because mostly I've worked for kind of startups or in the academic sector, and I have avoided a lot of the sort of corporate world problems that women run into. But I was thinking of a more recent in my life experience where I had started a new job and I had, you know, an older male colleague and we got to talking and he was describing a time where, you know, a coworker of his was, it was a woman and started crying. And, and I kind of said immediately, I was like, Oh, I would rather shoot myself in the face and start crying at work. And and he was like, oh, no, like, crying doesn't bother me because that's, like, a physiological response. And this person was experiencing oh a problem with her girlfriend and with her boyfriend. And I, you know, spoke to her and, you know, made her sure, made sure she felt comfortable and that she was okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the response that I felt in that was very close to Aubrey's. Like, oh, my God. I, was, I literally was like, oh, I have hit the lottery of, like, <laughs> male tech Male understanding. Like, and I was literally, I was like, what an amazing human this person is. And I'm sort of interested by that response because it was, like, one, very enlightened response, not over the world, unexpected, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what a good person should think. Like, he didn't and tell you he just cured express. cancer. He just no, told you he was he literally like, like, I accept the <laughs> right. but, but literally, my whole life, every career sort of coaching thing was, like, do not express any emotion that you're not calculating. Never express any weakness. Never apologize. Mm-hmm. And and like having this vision of like a person who you'd think would give the same advice and sort of and have him be making that space for like a woman to be emotional, to be human in the workplace. I was so impressed. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, why is that so impressive? That should not be Oh my god! Right. You know, it shouldn't like be a baseline but... human reaction. Shouldn't be <laughs> right. And so it's like interesting because, right? like, so then this, so then, then then he sort of benefits from now being esteemed mm-hmm. in my mind as like the most enlightened male ever, right? right? Which is like <laughs> maybe he is, especially for his age, right? 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 <laughs> and then and then and it's sort of like and again, it sort of just keeps lowering the bar, and that's <sighs> that's the toxicity where it's like <laughs> you have dehumanized. In like human interaction, and and even like reclaiming any kind of humanity is is a feminizing act, mm-hmm. and that's right. It's like you have to be reactive, you know. I think too when you see when you think of like kind of the, like the a toxic male, right? You know, someone who's who's the prototypical like. Don't you know, know about you. I pulled up an exact human being. In yeah, my head. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, when I think of that person, I always think of someone who seems stressed out, who's on edge, who's uncomfortable with himself, with physically and emotionally, um, and is aggressive and prickly. And and then, so then, any kind of softening of that. So even just getting back to that, like, baseline calm, breathing, life is good, live and let live, you know, as opposed to the, like, someone, you brush up against someone and it's like, the fuck did you do? Why did you hit me? Mm. Push it back, bumping, all of that stuff. It's like you're either like this hyper aggressive reactive person or you're like what I would call kind of more of a baseline normal person where you have like a normal reaction. If you bump into someone, oh, you know, excuse me, you know, know, people 
bump into each other. It's life. But like the this like toxic male masculine, sorry, not male, it's masculinity, um, this toxic masculinity bit really just kind of forces men to, to jump to that, to react, to jump to that negative conclusion and that negative place yeah. instead of just letting things slide. And that's why I think it just escalates and this, like this whole culture. So when you get a whole pack of men together that are all in this kind of this, this headspace, um, we get, you know, we get riots, we get people, you know, holding, we get the Wolf of Wall Street and Harvey Weinstein and, and they just let it happen and they feed off of each other. Because if you, if you do back down, whatever that means, if you do just let it slide or let it go, then you're showing weakness. And that means that you're weak and that people can take a care, take advantage of you. Um, and you're losing your position in whatever pack you were in and it's really unhealthy and it's, and it's awful. And so it's interesting for me because like when I thought of toxic masculinity, like I know exactly who you're talking mm-hmm. about, but that's not actually what came to my mind. I actually thought of people who <clears throat> suffer from the culture. Mm-hmm. Like in my head, I immediately thought of, of like a very close friend, family, you know, I'm not going to sell anybody out on this. Yeah. Um, but like the, the person who has to present mm-hmm. socially has to be cool, calm, right. collected. They're never allowed to have emotions. They're never allowed to um, like express ideas outside the norm or dress outside the norm. And then like they, they in the quiet times, in the private times, when they're alone with people who they trust, mm-hmm. they can all of a sudden have all of these interests mm-hmm. that are not allowed within the mass within toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I think that's really the difference between masculinity mm-hmm. and toxic masculinity. Because for me when these men come to me and they tell me, you know, they, they have these deep, sensitive uh, emotions that they're, they're actually really wounded by the things that are happening to them in life. Or they're interested in jewelry and hair and fashion or, 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 or. That is still masculine to yeah. me. So that's masculinity. A man expressing his interests mm-hmm. and and maybe it's sports and maybe it's watches and maybe it's makeup. Mm-hmm. I don't actually give a fuck which one it is right. because masculinity is just the expression of behaviors by me- people who identify as men. Right. And toxic masculinity is telling all of those other people to fuck off. And so for me, I'm just picturing all the people who are kind of, somewhere on the spectrum of depression because there's no room for them to be right in the world. And I think for me, like when I think of that, of those people who, who are ex- expressing themselves in this hyper aggressive way, they're not happy. They're, it's, it's not, it's not a comfortable feeling to feel like you're on a hairline and you're, and you're, and to be reactive instead of just kind of letting things go because it's not necessarily a natural reaction for most people. And if you are on that edge, that means you are probably holding a lot in, and you're 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 just you're you're something is eating away with you on the inside. Yeah, like if you're that highly wound, if you're full of that much mm-hmm. anger and aggression yeah. and like psychosexual mm-hmm. <laughs> emotional violence, yeah, then you probably need help, and it's probably not related to your masculinity. No. It's just being expressed through that. Right. But I wonder how it's not related. Like, I wonder to what extent it's possible to have. Uh, like a socialization into masculinity absent a socialization into toxic masculinity, right? Like it's happening mm-hmm. at the same time. Like a kid is learning all those things, like they're not allowed this and I have to do this. 
And so is there ever a possibility where like men don't suffer from that? I don't like I don't think there is. I think it's just the ones who are lucky enough to to be able to identify it for what it is and have that sense of self to still kind of push through. Like, I mean, my mom's a psychologist, so, like, we grew up with a lot of, like, as a, as kids, like, my, you know, my younger brother and I, uh, you know, like, going through uh, behavioral, cognitive behavioral psych stuff. So we kind of worked through things, you know, with, with our mom as subjects, you know, she worked at a university. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were kind of raised with these thoughts of, like, get in, being, don't be a star thinker, don't be a med mind, you know, like, we all these things. Um, and so I think for my brother, like, He's a, a an amazing athlete. He was a Division One football player, and so like I think him having to deal with that side of himself and that whole like football, you know, like especially when it's like big time mm-hmm. money ball stuff. There's a lot of uh, a lot of really aggressive negative things going on. Um, but you know, we were also camp kids, you know, and so we have that whole thing of like unconditional positive regard. He knows that you know we grew up knowing that no matter what he did, he's still going to have love of his family. Mm. He's still going to be, like, fine. He's cool just as he is. And I think that's really important. I think it comes from parents, you know, and, and or whoever that, that role model figure is, because not everyone has good parents, you know, mm. but who do you find in your life that's going to be that kind of mentor for you? And if you're getting that kind of positive feedback um, and you have a safe place where you can express yourself, even if it's, if it's Audrey, when, you know, even if it's yeah. Audrey, you know, in your 40s, um, <laughs> if you have an outlet there... It, I think that makes all the difference in the world. But there are a lot of people who are in these very insular communities um, who don't have an outlet or don't feel like they do or haven't found that person who's let them get into a safe space. And I think that, like, I mean, in my personal experience, I was raised by my father. My parents divorced when I was very young, and my father was our primary caretaker, which was really unconventional in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, I, th- I, I mean, my father came from I think a very traditionally toxic masculine household my grandfather was not a good man Mm -hmm. um and my father learned a lot from that he learned a lot of what he didn't want to be from that Mm -hmm. and as a result I think when he was raising us it's not to say that there weren't normative pressures and behaviors and ideas but my father put both me and my brother into judo Mm -hmm. And he put both me and my brother into music lessons. And if my brother had wanted to, he could have gone to dance lessons. And when I wanted to do judo instead of dance lessons, he was like, cool, no problem. And so, and for me, it was actually, I think it was harder for me. Well, no, it was hard for my brother and hard for me because I excelled at non-feminine sports. Mm -hmm. I excelled at judo and wrestling and shot put. And so that's the opposite side of toxic masculinity about our femininity and how dare I encroach Mm -hmm. in the masculine world. And then if I at any point excelled beyond my brother in any of those, which I wanted to do all the time because I was in this highly competitive, hyper-masculine sphere, Mm -hmm. then it effeminated my brother and that turned into a whole huge problem for him not from my father Mm -hmm. not from our home life but from the rest of the fucking world that we had to live in so I think that it is possible for our parents to create these nurturing Mm -hmm. spheres for us but (laughs) (laughs) the spheres are only so big having met your dad like briefly I can tell right away he's one of the most mentally strong people I've ever met right you know, so it doesn't surprise me that he was able to craft that 
it doesn't surprise me that it was crafted in opposition to things he didn't want to be. Like, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And it's so interesting that you said, like, your femininity and, and the, the crime of, of effeminating your brother. Mm-hmm. Yes! Because that's the thing. The other thing as women that we deal with is, like, femininity is, is not okay. Right. And, there's, and there's still this struggle to sort of say, like, it's, like, to reclaim what are those feminine things. Like, could you even say what they were? You know what are what are uniquely feminine values? And like, um, well, in opposition to toxic masculinity, it would be being weak, being passive, being non-sexual, being um, or being sexual as like a, a passively like, sexual, passively sexual. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like and and so whenever men are doing any of those things, <laughs> then right. they're failing the metric. And if women are not doing those things, then we're failing the metric. So like fascinating that your first word when I was saying, what is femininity? And you're yeah. like, well, being weak. Incompatible. <laughs> okay. By the definition like, of toxic like, masculinity. Well, well, yeah, right. But like, is, like, I think a lot of people would say, well, femininity is being nurturing, being a mother, being caring, mm-hmm. in, some, in some way, engendering life. And that's the only type of woman that toxic men can actually talk with. They can't, they can't connect with masculine women. They can only, you've got the mother, the lover, and the whore, right? Mm-hmm. So they can actually only really identify with the mother. That's the only person they can be with. For their respect. That they'll respect, yeah. Because the lover mm-hmm. and the whore are just, yeah. you know, various penis receptacles. Because yeah. the mother has, like, a, an authority... But it's, it's a nurturing authority. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an authority that's... Permi- it's a permissive authority. Mm. Right? She's nurturing him in his behavior, not telling him to stop. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm thinking of all those James I mean, Bond movies like, now. Yeah. I, mean, also, <laughs> like, I, just also, I mean, this is like a whole other podcast. The whole, like, this, the Hormadonna, whatever, <sighs> thing. I mean, just being a woman, right, growing up, like, now that I'm in my mid-30s, I'm able to look back at my 20s and relationships that I just had. Just shake your head. You know, and it's just, and it's it's really sad, you know, because it's, it's really sad um, to realize that people were looking at you or at me, you know, through these different lenses, and it's, and at each other, or that's what they, how they view the world. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's... Not everyone is ever gonna. Not everyone gets to a point where they feel like they're actualizing their inner selves or like they're able to <laughs> let their pretty flags fly. But it's sad that like a lot of people can't even get to a place where they feel safe to you know walk down the street and mm-hmm. like you know hum a song that's on their mind or you know like read a book they want to book, read, watch My Little Ponies if they want to watch My Little Ponies. Wear, wear some clothes, wear a necklace, wear right? a ring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's sad. Um, and, and then when you get to kind of politicizing things where you start getting to a point where, you know, women's bodies are being highly regulated by men, you know, and that that is then a sign of, you know, of power, of their power over us, right? I cannot imagine growing up in this climate. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 36. I was a young girl in the 80s. And that was a terrible time, yeah. you know, for the world. Um but I, but I grew up in New York City. I, I was, I grew up as a lesbian, um, and like as an Arab American lesbian, that's a whole other, other, other series. Of <laughs> but, like, but, um, <clears throat> but I can't imagine the the stories we see, the blatant regulation. You know, I really feel like in when I was coming up, there was such a sense of progress, and it was like every terrible thing 
was going to be the last terrible we thing. Were gonna right. fix we were it. on the way to fixing right. everything. And now we it's... finally saw the light mm-hmm. and we were on that. And I don't know what it's like to, to, for a girl to come of age now. It has to be the sense that everything's closing in. Yeah. It's, it's a sense of loss. So I can tell you, you've met my niece. Yes. So she's 13 and she doesn't feel that way. Huh. It's, it's, it's really interesting. She, because when we were growing up, if, I mean, I don't know about you. You were growing up in New York City. I was not a lesbian, but I was accused of being a lesbian, <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, and and there, there was no room for that. Like, I couldn't. Even if I were, I couldn't. To be clear, there was a lot of fear in me about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I distinctly remember hearing the word dyke and, like, asking what that meant. Yeah. And then being, like, terrified. You know, like, that can't I've be ever something I that again, yeah. Right. And, like... So there was no yeah. easy path. There was in, no in that easy world, yeah. but and, like and that was the thing. There was no easy path. Whereas now my niece is growing up and she's she's out mm-hmm. in her community. Or at least amongst her close friends, mm-hmm. maybe not out to her entire school. But there's acceptance there, mm-hmm. you know? And like her parents accept it. Not necessarily all of her friends' parents, but and they're in like rural Tennessee. Huh. And so She's growing up in a world where things like pansexual, asexual, um, bisexual, all of all of these words that I didn't know. You were either lesbian or straight. Right. Or bi. You're, or bi. Right. But we don't but really you, know about those bi people. They're, they're just, really no, they just confused. won't make up their mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, bi erasure. Another conversation for later. Exactly. <laughs> um, but so for her... It's a wonderful world where you can go on YouTube and you can find people that are like you, that support you, that are campaigning for you to exist, for you to have room. And she's just young enough to not care about politics yet. That's yeah. I think that's so I do think culturally, I'm very excited for the kids that are I'm teens fucking now. horrified. Yeah. I'm, I'm growing so up right now, and I'm just kids. like terrified of what's happening in the world. I'm excited for these kids that are growing up in a world where gender has a different meaning. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to have a whole different relationship to that, and that's super exciting to me. But I, I just wonder what it's like, like, when, when, you, when your niece comes to watch CNN or something. Yeah. And sees that, like, you know, getting an abortion is a legal Department of Justice ma- matter. Like, what? Why are we still fighting this? How is this possible? And that sort of, and that, that, like, that idea of, like, the power. Yeah. And the, and the idea that, like, you're absolutely subject, mm-hmm. like... I am beholden to a couple hundred men's will. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yep. You just don't, one woman in the room, don't yeah. want to let listen to our, our voices. Oh, did they, let a, did they let a woman in the room, finally? No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. No, no just, a bunch of, just a bunch of men. There won't be any woman into the room until it goes to the Supreme Court. Right. And so, at this point. okay, so we, we've got we've gone off onto another level because I don't know is that we can necessarily pin abortion legislation on toxic masculinity. I don't see how you can't because I think that <laughs> yeah. the idea that you are entitled to possess a woman is like inherent in that toxicity. Right. I think like, I think there are arguments to be made for moralists and religions, and and I'm not arguing that there are definitely not a bunch of people in the room who are like fucking women better get back in place. Like, like, but a lot of that's but, like religion. There's a lot of patriarchy and, and religion, and there's a lot of this like going back to what I was saying with with people 
not feeling like men not feeling like they can express themselves. If you grew up in a church uh, where you know it's man and a woman, you know it's having as many babies as you can. It's your pastor setting all the rules, and everyone has to kind of abide by it. You go to church five, seven days a week. Probably a man. Right, the pastor's a man. So what? And and if it's like if you show any signs of like not being on the program. You can be ostracized. You can lose your entire family. You can lose all of the friends you've ever known, and you can be ostracized. And that's a really scary, I think, position to be in. And there's a lot of people in politics who are like that. Who are, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of there's this whole kind of, I guess, evangelical. And I, I don't like. There's a lot of very liberal um, evangelicals out there as mm-hmm. well. And um, I, I'm going there too. I don't want to. But we're facing in, right now but there's a very strong movement. conservative evangelical block. Right. And it's very much like steeped in, in a patriarchy. I mean, calling your, your wife mother or vice president, you know, calling his wife mother and refusing to have to sit at a table with a, a female colleague um, because of, you know, of because what that you would can't... seem. Because you can't possibly because you can't possibly be friends with a woman or work with a woman and not just accidentally need to put your dick in her. Right. Um, I think that's all part of this 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 toxic masculinity. So the patriarchy is effectively the patriarchy codified into a governmental system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hadn't hadn't really thought of it that way. Somewhere out there, there's a feminist being like, seriously. Yeah. (laughs) I wrote a book about this. <laughs> Wake up, Aubrey! Way to catch up. <laughs> but I mean, it's, and that's I think, and that's what I think. With you, you see with the women's march and the like, people like my mom and my aunts and everyone who like, and all these other women who of, of the, our parents' generation and older who 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 were in the streets uh, protesting this administration um, and just this kind of um, this conservative movement in general are terrified because they're the ones who marched in the streets before us to get where we were. They've already and marched for this. They've done this. And that was my mom. She's like, I've, you know, I've put my, my boots back on and we'll get back in the street. Um, because she's like, we worked hard for this. You know, she was, in, you know, now officer of now in, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and like did all her <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it is really scary for them. And it's scary for us because we, we did grow up in a bit of a golden age, right? Like where we had, Things were moving forward. We had stuff. I grew up in Iowa, which had, when I was young, you know, we had the LGBTQI rights were in our um, our state um, bill of human rights. Um, gay marriage. We're one of the first states to approve gay marriage. Um, we, you know, I'm I'm black. I'm biracial, and I grew up in a university town that was very international. It's now UNESCO, you know, world literature town. And so we kind of grew up in a bubble. Even in the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. there was a bubble where. My stepdad's family is, you know, from a very small town, not necessarily religious in an organized way, but, you know, identify as Christian and whatever. And their whole thing was just kind of, you know, love your neighbor, live and let live. And, oh, that's nice. You know, you know, there, there's a guy over there doing what he wants to do. And we're over here doing what we want to do. And that's just how they are. And that was the kind of aesthetic, I think, for a lot of people in the town. And now, and even in rural country areas or small towns, and now, with this past election, when I'm seeing what people in my extended family and friends were like posting on Facebook, um, you know, about really sexist things, really racist things, um, just kind of like just rhetoric that I was unprepared to see because mm-hmm. um, it, it didn't fit with what I thought, um, you know, my state was like or what people I knew and cared about um, felt or mm-hmm. believed. 
and now that's kind of bubbling up and it's hard to know like why what happened or where where did this all come from is it is it a is it a reaction you know to you know women getting more power and getting more parity and you know then all these manufacturing jobs are getting shipped out so there's a lot of men who used to have you know the ability to go work a union job or whatever and now they, they can't used to do have that. economic power and now yeah. they don't I, and I think I think that fits in exactly with what I said before the mm-hmm. thing that you pointed out like women are getting more power mm-hmm. women are having more control and that is effeminating yeah mm-hmm. without without even doing anything without the men like the men can literally just stand there and we are effeminating them by having the audacity to excel or even just sustain or to not shrink to not shrink yeah is really what it is (sighs) interesting thing I was thinking is that there's like the political forces and the reaction to them but the Toxic masculinity to me goes back to culture outside. Not that you can necessarily parse the two, but like, I grew up in a very leftist household. Mm-hmm. My dad was like a full socialist, well educated, extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my experience of masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Like, someone smart who can argue under the table and that you were terrified of, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that, like, that emotion mm-hmm. is still with me. And and so much of my socialization as a professional has been to unlearn or to mask that because there's still always a part of me that like, if I hear an angry male voice, I'm a little bit terrified. I'm shut down. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've had to train myself to become a similarly angry female voice, which then is very harshly punished anyway. Yeah. But that was my choice because it was either shrink down or stand up. Mm-hmm. And I was always sort of like a fuck that I'm going to stand up. Mm-hmm. And I've paid the price for that, like, over and over again. I keep doing it. Um, you know, so it's... And again, like, I'm saying, like, this is from, like, a, a person who fully, like, is waiting for the socialist revolution, but, like, was a violent man. Because, like... Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so, like, that culture is everywhere. Right. And in, Ob- in the Obama administration, it was there. Mm-hmm. In the Clinton administration, it was there. It's not a left or right issue. It's, right. Oh, it's been there. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, I think that's why women were so... Obviously, not all women, mm-hmm. but a whole bunch of women were really behind Hillary because she was like, she was like, God fucking damn it, mm-hmm. I am sick of this and we're going to do something about it. And the rest of us were like, preach, sister. Right. And the millennials who had never really fought it mm. were like, what are you guys talking about over mm-hmm. there, eh? And all of the red pill women, that's what I'm calling them from here on out, yeah. um, were like, I have no idea what you're referring to. I love the status quo. Right, right. And I like <laughs> having my pussy grabbed. It's great. Exactly. It's a compliment. Right? It that's means he finds you sexually attractive. Maybe if you're lucky more. later, he'll press himself on you against your, well, I guess consent's not a word, so. Right. Wow. <sighs> yeah. I know. No, man. But it's, but it's just for me, I, I mean, yeah, I know I was saying framing it a little bit more of a conservative thing. And yes, I do understand there are a lot of very violent, very, you know, toxically masculine, um, you know, men on the left too. Um, but I think my point right now is that it's be now becoming okay to be out about it. Like mm-hmm. they can do mm-hmm. it. They can mm-hmm. march in the street and be like, and express these views and actively want to oppress women, um, minorities, uh, 
children, anything, anyone or anything who's not exactly um, on their agenda, and each other. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before, I think, yes, during the Obama years or whatever, there's still that kind of boys club, right? You know, it's still like, Michelle's the, per- you know, she's a strong woman, but she's also his rock, you know? And yeah. it's like, she still couldn't just be, you know, Michelle the, you know, great legal mind or yeah, whatever. Yeah, she couldn't keep her job. Yeah, she still had to, like, give that up and do that. Although, I, I gotta say, I'm, I mean, if, if it was a choice between Barack being our president and Michelle losing your job or Michelle keeping your job and yeah. us having the alternative, I thank Definitely. her. I thank you for your sacrifice, Madam. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but I think it's just now, now they, now there's no shame, you know, it's, and for me, I think too, as, as a black woman, um, just that, that picture of, you know, like all those men in that square in Charlottesville with their, you know, tiki mm. torches and you can laugh at it and like, Oh, they're tiki torches. But I know what that means. Like I know in no. high school I was, you know, called a nigger bitch and I wasn't even a bitchy person, you know, and I was able to like write an editorial in you know, the like local newspaper about it and stuff and like whatever. But like, and cause I had a platform, but not everyone does. And you can go through, you know, and experience this and be on the receiving end and, and just be terrorized and, and not, not be able to bloom. And that's my fear for a lot of these, these kids now, like, yeah, they've got YouTube where they can find their little groups and they can, you know, you know, find people who are, who are like them and have their, you know, if, if it's, if you're worried about being out, you can find people who are out and you can have that thing, but there's still kids committing suicide because they can't always find that, that group because a lot of people are feeling alone still. Oh my gosh. Within this picture. You reminded me of something that I wanted to discuss. Cause again, I did homework. <laughs> um, <laughs> So one of the things, knew she was going to be on a I know. Today. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so as I'm listening to all of these um, conservative voices mm-hmm. discussing toxic masculinity and how it's not a real concept and how it's a joke and how we're pussifying, and, and rather, most of them weren't actually saying that. Most of them were saying we're not leaving room for men, mm-hmm. right? We're not leaving room for men to be men. And to that I said, okay... I need you to define what men being men is because right. if men being men is like taking advantage of unconscious women or pushing yourself on a woman who's saying no, like 30, 30 no's and one yes, mm-hmm. I'm not cool with that. But if like, if, if you genuinely believe that there's no room for men to be men. So there was this one guy, he was talking, he was saying that, um, like the vast majority of suicides are done by men, especially violent mm-hmm. suicides are done by men. And there's like almost a crisis amongst suicide for men choosing to kill themselves. I was like, yeah, this is a real problem. We need to create space for men. And I thought we were going to agree because it was the start of the talk, so I didn't know which way it was going to go. Right. (laughs) And he instead veers off. And the reason that men are committing suicide is because women won't let them be men. Or the Mm. leftist, uh, the toxic masculinity people won't let them be men. And in my mind... No, these men are are trapped in a world where they either have to hyper-perform and potentially do things that they personally don't actually feel confident and comfortable with. And the, 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 the omnipresent weight of that is what's wearing them down. Because um, what was that phrase? Uh, I don't remember who said it. Can you look this up later? Mm-hmm. Um, that... Uh, when the terrors of living life exceed the terrors of death, that's when man will, you know, stop choosing life. Yeah. And so, like, these men have to be absolutely horrified of their own existence to choose to leave. And 
I don't think the horror of the existence is a bunch of people saying, it's okay that you're horrified. Right. Let's talk about your horror. Let's see if we can find a way to help cut that back. Yeah. And then there's just a lot of, when you hear, like, there's a lot of teenagers and just men in general, I would actually be interested in seeing, because I don't know the statistics and I know, um, uh, it's domestic violence awareness month. So I should pay more attention because, um, it's an issue that's uh, really close to. Um, but like, there's a lot of, a lot of these suicides, these violent suicides aren't just suicides alone. There's a lot of, uh, murder suicides. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, we we can go to the, you know, the gun debate all the time. But when you look at a lot of these mass shootings, a lot of these mass shootings are men going to the workplace or going into their part, their partner or ex partner personal space, um, workspace or personal space, and you know, murdering a partner, murdering a former colleague, someone who disrespected them in some way or left them, um, and then killing themselves. Um, and so it's it's for me, it's it's not even. It's not. It's not just an issue of one person. It's. It's a greater public health issue too. Mm-hmm. When you kind of think about this. This thing where you've got people who can't express, or handle loss, or handle rejection. And there's no um, room to talk about that in a in a society that doesn't even accept the idea that there are these toxic behaviors, these yeah. toxic ideas. Because if toxic masculinity doesn't exist and masculinity is just never being effeminate, effeminated, mm-hmm. is that a word? It is now. <laughs> um, right? Effeminized. <laughs> sure. Um, if that doesn't exist, if that's not a thing that we can recognize and accept and work through, then there's no work through for it other than reasserting yourself in that risky, aggressive way. Mm-hmm. And lashing out. Yeah. It's it's sad. I mean, we've come a long way from the the masculine being that you know that quiet cowboy on a horse by himself who just you know doesn't mm. really say anything, shoots from the hip, goes through, and some. And now it's become something different. What mas the kind of ideal masculine it man is that kind of that figure in pop culture. It's it is kind of moving towards that kind of Wolf of Wall Street, that slick guy. It's mm. reactive. It's what you uh-huh. said. It's, I had two thoughts here. Mm-hmm. One, everybody keeps saying like, oh, we went from Harrison Ford to soft boys. And I'm like, yeah, but if you watch Harrison Ford's movie, he's basically just like sort of sexually assaulting Pretty a whole much. bunch of women. So if I have to have soft boys rather than sexual assault, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I would prefer not having soft boys because that's a whole other psychological game. I would prefer not having soft boys as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that there's a process, mm-hmm. you know, like the cultures are changing and people are learning how to exist within the culture. Yeah. But then one of the things that I learned while I was studying sociology is that um, it's, it's rubber bands. It's always rubber bands. You first of all have to always have basically far left extremists and far right extremists Mm -hmm. because they have to be pulling the rubber band for you to keep it in the center. Like if all the libtards stop talking one day, it's going to be handmaid's tale. Right. You know, (laughs) and if all the handmaids stop talking one day, I I don't know what it's going to look like, but I don't, I I definitely don't think we can guarantee it's actually going to be that great either because there's a whole bunch of ideas on the far left where I'm like, you guys went disagree. It's going to be too far. (laughs) I am so ready for it. I am not ready for communism. (laughs) I lived in China. I do not recommend it. Um, but it's, it's and so like society is not only like those two forces pulling, keeping us at some level of center, 
But also, like, there's always going to be those rubber band snapbacks. So right now, I think that's what we're living through. You know, we had 30, 40, 50, 70 years of a very slow but constant progress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're just, like, all the civil liberties kind of started getting awarded to everybody. We all kind of got to be humans a little bit sometime. So I'm going to, like, disagree with you again. I think it was super fast. In the context in, of history. In the context yeah, of history. It was super fucking fast. Yeah. It was, okay, yes. Okay? And what we have lost is that velocity. Mm. Okay? Because for me, That's it feels like we're, we're actually progressing. regressing. We're definitely regressing because we've lost velocity. Because I think when you're making progressive change, it's 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 radical change that we need, right? Like, that's what we're going for. I mean, we're going for radical change, but that's, I think, what kind of brings back all these toxic masculine behaviors. Because we're saying that we've made progress. We've created better generations of men, right? Like, more more space for men to exist, more room for people to recognize that they don't have to live within the toxic masculinity sphere Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and more room for women to exist without toxic masculinity constantly showering down on us. Sometimes we meet good people. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Right? But because it went so fast or uh maybe because it went at all, it's all... Because I'm like, I feel like red pillars and MRAs and all that business, I feel, which by the way, that's what I imagine when I imagine toxic masculinity. I feel like it was kind of just born out of nowhere in the past 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it's very reactionary. It's very reactive to all of these perceived gains. But there was still, I mean, there was still that in the 70s. Or slights in their perceived Mm -hmm. slights Mm -hmm. on their end. Because I remember seeing documentaries too in the 70s, you know, with like, you know, the women in the streets and then there's all these men with the men's rights, you know, stuff that was happening back really? then. And then you still had... I've never seen that. Yeah. And no, they were doing... Friends. They were doing a... They were doing a, a counter... They were doing counter-protests. Um, men were doing counter-protests and also women on the sides, the, you know, red pill women, even back in the 70s mm-hmm. being like, I don't want to work. I like raising my kids. And we're like, we're saying... Cool. You're, That's fine. <laughs> That's not, you're missing the point. But, <laughs> but I like to think with... We were talking about velocity. And you see, like, the 20th century was insane. There's so many things that happened with, the, you know, from, like, you know, the Industrial Revolution obviously started... We, we figured then. out how to pick cotton faster, and then we had iPhones. Right. No, it's, like, it's like, <laughs> it was a pretty big year. Like, decade, century. Like, yeah. No, it's like the, like the Industrial Revolution and just, like, how that just became a cultural phenomenon as well like women wearing pants you know like mm-hmm. getting rid of corsets wearing bras like being burning, able bras. To burning bras you know what mm-hmm. i mean to like working outside of the home and outside of the war effort you know on their because it's their choice not because it's they're being told they have to to support a war effort yeah. you know all these things um that was a, that did happen fast and in a while for some of the time it was in context right we had these wars people had to do things outside of the norm and then after after we everyone came home it wasn't business as usual. Things have changed and shifted. And I think that's when I think when you, you think of the root of some of these these issues, men coming home from World War One, men coming home from World War Two, Korean War, like you've got folks who are coming back and not feeling 100% at ease in the culture anymore or their society or their homes. And their wives have changed because they've been alone, right? You know, mm-hmm. wives and mothers running, being heads of households, working outside of the home because they have to. Learning math yeah math like i mean and you can roll into depression as well because everyone having to pitch in but i mean i think those little those ripples have kind of created a wave of of like 
I don't know how to do it. I'm doing moving my hands right now. Uh, not <laughs> on the podcast, but there, there's been these kinds of like these ebbs and flows of of progress pushback, progress pushback. But there's always been every time you there's been more progress. There's more progress, right? And I think now we're at a point where people are pretty comfortable, even baseline. Even if you're under the poverty line, you probably at least can use a computer at school or at work. Or, you know, you've got access to, like, a, a modicum of technology and comfort things that make your life easier. So has our faster. society become a soft boy? I don't know if, it's, if our society's been a soft boy or if people they, just need... There, what do you? What do we have? Right, we have. We've got rid of smallpox people, and you know now we've got people fighting against the the vaccines because they don't. They don't. They don't my see. kid's not sick because we have vaccines. You know, it's like all these yeah. things, right? So people are kind of coming back. People are going because insane because they've got the privilege of going insane. So, so interesting that we're comfortable. I agree. I think mm-hmm. every every economic indicator says we have the best standard of living that we ever had, mm-hmm. and it means the poverty people have the best standard of living that they ever had. But what right, is, good. Go go capitalism. But like. Like, how the fuck are we so comfortable right now? Because mm-hmm. depression, major mm-hmm. social force, war, major social force. We're facing, we're in a war right now. Mm-hmm. Multiple wars. We're facing climate change. We're, mm-hmm. place, we're facing, like, unprecedented ecological change that we don't even know what it's going to look like. So how are we so comfortable mm-hmm. with these challenges that we, what, like, we've made a, a way to not engage with those problems mm-hmm. because you can spend so much time. Yeah. Tweet about something else. Yeah. So you don't have to, there's a distraction. We've been able to distract ourselves and become so, I think, distant from, you know, like the food chain or, you know, or mm-hmm. even just like how good skin. Because like starvation doesn't look like starvation anymore, right? Like now starvation is you like you have, you have obesity, you have diabetes, you're dying because like you're eating a lot of food that has no nutritional value. Yeah. But we've made that plentiful mm-hmm. and there are people getting very wealthy off of having made that plentiful. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people and then you have, you know, it's okay to then demonize fat people. So you going back to this whole thing of like, if I'm a man in this, in this society, my, and my worth is still, you know, balled up into how, what my appearances are, you know, like, cause now we have, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything you, 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 you share your life. And so then also it's still always been that like, then your partner is a reflection on you too. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you've got all these people doing CrossFit and like working out and having, going oh my God, speaking of bodies. toxic masculinity, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that, that's in there I mean, too. Have you seen the women of CrossFit? I'm, all I'm saying is we just like quadrupled the amount of like hate talk we're going to get for this. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Cross, I have nothing I'm against not. CrossFit. I'm going to follow Donald Trump. Trump. I'm sure there are some very nice CrossFitters out there. <laughs> I assumed you were going to say we've now quadrupled the number of orthopedic surgeons. Yeah, yeah, we're like, thank you. (laughs) But but my point is, it's like now you know, with being a man too, it's it's not just being the cowboy and the horse. It's being having a six pack. It's being the Brad Pitt, right? With Brad Brad Pitt's abs, with Harrison Ford's attitude, Mm -hmm. on Wayne Newton or no Wayne. Whatever his face is, horse. Yeah, yeah. John Wayne's, <laughs> John Wayne's horse. There we go. Yeah. You know, like, with like Angelina Jolie and Doris Day. You know, pick one. One of the like perfect. Both ideals. on their knees, clinging right. to your feet. Right. And so you know, so then there's feet. <laughs> so then there's there's this, this whole hell. issue too. So I think it's 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 hard because there's 
you know, it's, it's not good. But I, I know people who like don't, who said to me, like, I can't date you because, you know, you're a big girl. And I don't, I, my friends would, would tease me about it. And I'm like, I'm not even that big, y'all. Like, I don't know, like, if you're like, like yes, I am six I am, foot. I'm, but... uh, yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. Because for me, like, it's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on, on him. And, you know, it's been more than one person. And it's, it's sad because that's, once again, it's someone having to not deny a part of themselves um, because of, you know, of their perception of this kind of external gaze that's coming on to them. But people, I don't know, it's, it's hard, you know, like I think we're kind of getting towards this kind of like panopticon kind of world where everyone feels that they're in the panopticon, but it's, it's, it's almost a self induced, of you know, yeah. kind of environment mm-hmm. where you, of course, you're putting things out there on social media um, and you know, even our our president. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! No, we can't. We can't. Even our president is, is on Twitter. You know, using using <laughs> that using you know TV ratings and looks and appearances as a judgment of someone's worth um, and you know intelligence and all that. So I don't. And know. having his model wives be yeah the window our president knows, like, is the manifestation of socio political like employer-based toxic masculinity. He's just like, everything that we've talked tonight, like, because we've gone across, like, basically every aspect of society Mm -hmm. and discussed how toxic masculinity touches it. And then 45 is there at every turn. Absolutely. So I want to just highlight BJ's statement about obesity or size. I'm I'm a big person, too. Um, And and it's... um, Everybody at this table is six foot or taller, so I'm so, only five eight. I just learned that I was six <laughs> two, actually. Really? Yeah, I, I literally just sense. got measured, and I was like taller than I thought. <laughs> um, I'm also fatter than I thought, which is another oh. story. But um, yeah, I mean, again, and then when you in the same experience, when you meet a man who's like, "Yeah, I'd love to fuck you," mm-hmm. you're like. Oh, what an entitled dude! Like right. what, a, what, what an, an open-minded dude. Like, gentleman. Thank you so much. And it's like, it's 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 um. I wonder how frustrating those reactions are to the non-toxic men in our lives who are sort of like, why am I being awarded points for just being like a human? Right. Yeah. Right. Like they have to feel that too. Right. Like like whenever anyone's like, oh, Layla, like you're such a strong independent woman. I'm like, shut the fuck up. And they have to feel the same way too, where where you're like, oh, you're such like a enlightened dude. He's like, no, I'm just a dude. dude. He's like, isn't this just a guy who likes big boobs, you know? He's like, I just want to bury my face in that rack. Right. And and it's okay. And what we're saying is it's completely acceptable within the boundaries of masculinity and let's be clear, femininity Mm -hmm. to just want to bury your face in some big old titty. <laughs> like there's plenty of room for that. It's when you do that as an act of aggression or without consent or as some other signaling when you're doing it for any purpose other than you're and the person who has given you consent's pleasure. That's that's what's toxic. Mm-hmm. When it's about possession mm-hmm. or I don't know. It's like cats peeing on things. Well, there's an assumption. Well, <laughs> oh, it's possession, assumption, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's also the assumption that, like, you know, someone with, who's presenting themselves as feminine or mm-hmm. showing boobs or, you know, wearing a short skirt or whatever, it goes back to that, you know, they're asking for what is she wearing kind of thing where it's just like you've got... She must have known she, it was going to happen. Right. You're like, um, I've been assaulted where we're wearing sweatpants and that didn't help, you know? I mean, yeah, I've been assaulted wearing pajamas. Yeah. Well, I would point out that makes sense because you weren't presenting femininity. Right. So we deserve <laughs> right? it. Right? Mm. 
Um, And then if you express too sexual femininity, you also deserve it. I don't actually know what the right femininity to not get assaulted is because I'm pretty sure within toxic masculinity, even taking down Mary Jane comes with like double plus bonus points. It's like no, no, I can't allowed. I don't know. I mean, you can't be friends with people because friends will the, the only way to do it is to have a man with you. By the way, Samara has joined us in the conversation. <laughs> yes, we need Samara to join us. But you can't have a man with you because you can't be friends with men. Right. Because if a man is friends with women, he's not fucking them. And that... Rule confusion. Friend zone. Friend zone in quote marks. Which is, that's a whole other podcast as well because that... <laughs> so many other podcasts. Because well, that's, just, I mean, that's, that's also part of this, this toxic masculinity thing too where like... As you're saying, like yeah. someone, if, if you're not, if you're just friends with the woman, you're fucking them, or they're, or men who are only friends with women because they hope someday to, they'll get fucked, they'll get fucked, mm-hmm. and then there's resentment that grows. You know, like if you want to help someone carry their groceries into the house, do it because you want to, not because you think they might fuck you someday for that. Yeah. But this, the the whole uh, one of the many videos I was watching was saying that one of the definitions of um, toxic masculinity is that men can't be friends with women. Mm. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something my, my mom told me when I was very young. She was like, you're never actually going to have a male friend. And I was when like, I... I already fun. disagree with this. But also it's just like, true. only if they're gay. And I'm like, I... Even Game more disagree with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Gay men love titties. This far. Four women at a table. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter how big your boobs are or not. Too. Yeah. It's, it's I'm also going to feel like this collection of women probably knows more than the average amount of. I mean, I did attend yeah. Oberlin, so. <laughs> yeah. I am in theater. I've, I've run into my fair share. Mm-hmm. So, and, like, one or two, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, so the thing that drives me insane is uh, you were saying that your brother liked to do the arts and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, eventually he had to give that up because it wasn't masculine. And there is this whole pervasive idea that men in theater are gay. Har, har, har. Right. And I'm like, okay, then where the fuck did Harvey Weinstein come from? Mm-hmm. And he is not the only one. Where I'm actually, yeah, I'm like on the committee here in D.C. to uh, put together the language for Not in Our Houses D.C., which is this huge effort to create a charter in which we can prevent harassment from happening anymore because it's 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 not blowing up like it was in Chicago but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist it just hasn't gotten written up in a, a magazine yet and like toxic masculinity is straight men and gay men and straight women and gay women and everybody else I'm sorry I'm not going to go through the entire LGBTQI plus no. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's this idea that like you could be effeminating yourself and I don't know, it's, I guess like maybe a bunch of us thought it was a safe space Mm -hmm. where we wouldn't come in contact with it. And then you find it in there and then you feel betrayed. Um, and then it's an even almost even harder to break out of it. Like you're supposed to be safe with your boss. You're supposed to be safe with your director. You're supposed to be safe with your family, but toxic masculinity just tears down all of those boundaries and, and, and removes safe spaces for men and women alike. And now they're being, we're being ridiculed for desiring to have safe spaces Oh my you know, god! And that's you know that's I think 
another example of, mm-hmm. of this where, you know, like, <laughs> thou doth protest too much, you know, mm-hmm. like, stop, if you're demonizing safe places so much, like, what are you missing in your life? What do you, what do you, what why do you are success? you so angry that people are getting away from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I just, it's, it goes back to me just being sad. But I don't know. So on, the, on the one hand, it is you you protest too much. On the other hand, what does it mean to like live in a male body? Mm-hmm. Hear the word safe space and know at some level your body, like without any choices on your behalf, makes someone feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Or if you're I think it unsafe. sucks. I mean, that sucks. Like from the people and I've I'll talked to, I'll never know what that's sucks. like as a woman. Yeah. I'll never know what that experience is like. Well. Like, a little bit I'll know what it's like because I'm a tall woman. Yeah. I'm a tall, large woman. And I know what it's like to be physically imposing without yeah. meaning to be. As a, as, as a, this is another podcast is really what it is. But I do have, podcast, I do have several friends of a younger generation mm-hmm. who have been raised in these, like, far more progressive societies that we're all desperately trying to keep from being degraded. Yeah. Um, and... A lot of these men actually do live in fear of a negative female voice. They do. They're they're absolutely terrified of accidentally yes. betraying someone's consent or, yes. um, uh, or or being toxic, and they don't. They, they they wish there was some foolproof way to ensure that they're never going to be toxic. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm never not going to be toxic. I'm. You know, <laughs> yeah. and you can do things like I dated someone who was always every time, even after dating him for a year, would always ask, you know, like, would you like to have sex now? You know, we're like progressing mm-hmm. through, like, can I kiss you now? Can I touch you here? Are you ready? You know, very nice. It was you know whatever. Like, um, but he was still an asshole. So I mean, like, you could still be like someone could still be well trained, but still be a dick. You know, and so it's like don't. I mean, can't also lose sight of that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I no, think, absolutely. But, like, <laughs> so, but going back, since this is a podcast and we can do this, um, that remind your the example about being physically imposing reminded me of um, uh, I think an essay and it's also been a spoken word uh, thing by um, Questlove Gomez, you know, where he said he reminds he remembers he's you know a big black man and um, tall and wide, you know, but mm-hmm. just like sweetest, most amazing, artistic, wonderful musician very thoughtful person but if you know when you're and he's like when I'm in an elevator and it's just me and a woman like I'm always aware that they might not know who I am or even if they do they still are now in an elevator with a big black man who's mm-hmm. taking up space and they don't know and so he's like do I you know and, and my brothers are both my two of my brothers are six 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 seven Jesus. big black men you know and so like I just know from them too like they always have to to be more gregarious and open and like Doing that kind of they've got to do a lot of signaling. It's the voice and like, hey there, buddy, you know, yeah. kind of thing <laughs> to be like, I am not a threat because people can can do that. And like for me too, as as a black woman, like I'm very light skinned but like I'm still a black woman. And if especially when I have my hair out, you can't. It's there's always something. you can't you can escape talk. it. I can't escape it. And so for me, there's also you know I think um, Layla was saying earlier where she doesn't know what it's like to be in a male body and have that experience and people kind of feeling threatened by you, but. I can say uh, of being, you know, a black woman and whenever I go to the South or even now, I mean, here in D.C. with this, this environment, like, I don't know who, who hates black people. I don't know anymore. You know, when you see people it's wearing torches in the city, streets, the answer should be no one. Yeah, but like, you know, when you're swiping on Tinder, it's hard. You've got to look for cues and all these things. You know, it's just, 
and it's 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 pervasive all of the hidden language and that's and it's and it's sad you know that's what's so irritating about it we had so much trouble identifying what it was in the beginning because so much of it is hidden yeah so much of it is coded Mm -hmm. so much of it is signaled and (sighs) so i mean and that's i think too it's just toxic masculinity is just so much a part of our society uh, that it's, it's hard to a... define it and it's also hard to escape it and it's hard to know how to address it because it is it's 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 got tentacles everywhere right yeah. it's hydra yeah i mean like <laughs> you can't get rid of, you can't get rid of toxic masculinity without getting without getting rid you can't get rid of toxic masculinity without also getting rid of red pill women like you can't the entire picture. yeah right. you can't yeah you you can't just say hey men right do better be better because there's a whole bunch of women that are that are supporting it, encouraging it, setting it up, setting them up, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, not, not even red pill women. Like, ugh, I'm not going to get into the rest of this because it's going to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. But <laughs> okay, I gotta go pee. If you guys are going to keep going, don't say anything interesting till I get back. Or we can just say, or we can just say toxic to be continued. <laughs> this is a really great conversation. I'm yeah. glad that I was able to try probably today. like uh, do it in like 60 minute segments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Um, so I think to be continued, but absolutely.